want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. That's where we're going to be for the most part today. Matthew chapter 10. And I'll do the best we can to be done uh, by 11.30. That way we maybe can take like a five, ten minute break before class. Um, obviously, if you can't stay for class, that's understandable. So uh, no shame there. Um, I guess if I, it depends on how well I know you. If I know you well enough, maybe I'll try to shame you a little bit. But um, there really is no, no shame on that. Uh, we totally understand that. So Matthew chapter 10. I want to focus on 40 through 42 in just a second, but before we get there, I do want to read verses 1 through 15, because I think that reading verses 1 through 15 give a lot more depth and understanding to what Jesus says here at the end of Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 10, beginning verse 40. So we're going, to, we're going to start verse 1 in Matthew 10. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, you received without paying, give without pay, acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So I want to notice the pretty incredible things that the disciples were going to do. But just in general, what are the things the disciples will do in verses 5 through 15? And keep in mind, this is all the 12 that Jesus is saying this to. He's going to go on and say a lot of other things. But first, let's just notice 5 through 15. So he says, I want you to go to the Jews. Like, you're not going to go to the Gentiles. You're not going to go to the Samaritans first. You're going to go to the Jews. Now, we know that Jesus spoke with Gentiles and Samaritans, and he, we know that he does expect his disciples to go to Gentiles and Samaritans eventually, but first, go only to the Jews, right? The things that they're going to do and say, do you think that they would be more acceptable by the Jews or the Gentiles initially? probably more acceptable by the Gentiles, I would think, because as they're teaching the kingdom and as they're teaching about this Jesus, who is the one that, that John the Baptist paved the way for, and he's, gonna, he's doing these amazing things, and he's challenging them and teaching them many things. Do you think that would be harder for the Jews to accept? I, I think it might have been. In fact, if you look at what winds up happening, it is harder to teach the Jews. So he's saying, go to these people, because they should be the ones that understand and accept before the Gentiles. However, they're also going to face the greatest opposition among the Jews. So then the next thing he says is you're going to proclaim the kingdom. Now, the fact that he says you're going to proclaim this and you're going to proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand in verse 7. There's a lot of boldness. So go to the hardest people, preach the kingdom that they don't really understand, and do it boldly. You're not just talking about it, you're proclaiming it. Then you're going to heal the sick, 
You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cleanse lepers. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to give and don't take payment. You're going to stay with one person in each town if there's peace there. And you're going to do that until you leave. But if you don't receive any um, good acceptance from that place or from that town or from that house, you shake the dust off your feet and you just keep on going. That's some amazing stuff he tells them to do. I mean, if, if you just think about the, the highlight, really, to me, is where he says you're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. The whole thing about not taking payment and you're only giving, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't really know if I like that part, but like, this is incredible stuff that you're telling me that we're going to do if I was one of the 12. And, and the whole focus, though, is on the kingdom. Even though they're doing all these wonderful things, the focus is on the kingdom. That's the message. That's what they are teaching. Do you think it'd be hard to remember that the focus is the kingdom if you're able to cast out demons? Do you think it'd be hard to remember that the focus is on the kingdom and the king that is sending you out if you're able to raise the dead? If you're able to cleanse lepers? I think it might be. I think it'd be hard for me to remember that it's not about me and not about what I can do. Now, I don't think that they struggled with that because I don't, I don't know that they did, but I could see how it would be, how it'd be hard and it'd be a problem. Maybe that's why Jesus made sure they wouldn't be gaining any earthly possessions as they went. Maybe it was to keep them focused on the kingdom. So Jesus goes on to give them a lot of instructions and I'll just summarize 10 uh, or 16 through 39 really quick. He goes on to tell them that as he sends them out, uh, these are things that they're going to need to keep in mind. But it's not just right now. It's also after Jesus leaves. These are things they need to know. They're going to be persecuted and judged by men, but don't be anxious and keep teaching the kingdom. And he eventually winds up saying to be like him, to be like Jesus. He wants them to be bold and to speak what he says Still confess Jesus even in the face of threats and death. Remember that even if death is threatened, they can only kill the body. They can't cure your soul, so you will be safe. Be prepared for division within even your closest relationships on earth because Jesus came to bring a sword and not peace. So even your family might be divided. And then he says to take up their own cross and to follow Jesus. And even if they lose all in this life, including their own life, they'll have true life in Christ. So those are some pretty heavy things that Jesus tells the disciples. And there's a lot of lessons for us to, to take from that. There's lessons on dedication to the kingdom. There's lessons on what we should be willing to do and go through as we follow Jesus. I want to focus the rest of our time on 40 through 42. I do want to point out before we go and read 40 through 42 that if you go to Mark 9, this is another place where he says some similar things. And actually, this is right in the same context of this conversation of who is the greatest. So because in Mark 9, that's part of this conversation, before he talks about giving a cup of cold water to even a child, I actually want to go to Matthew 18. Because that's in Matthew, that's where Jesus talks about uh, the greatest. So that's where the disciples have this conversation of who is the greatest. So before we read Matthew 10, let's go to Matthew 18. And I just want to read 1 through 6. So imagine Jesus had just said all these things. You're going to go through persecution. You're going to go through a lot of judgment by men. You might even die, but you need to focus on the kingdom. And keep in mind, you're going to be able to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, raise the dead, all this stuff, all, this, all these amazing things. Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? If you're in Mark 9 reading that account, this is a very appropriate question to ask after Jesus has just said all these things you're able to do. 
So let's just say these are things that Jesus is saying regularly. You're going to do this. You're going to be able to accomplish these things. And then they have this question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I thought we were proclaiming the kingdom, Jesus. I thought we were the ones telling people how to get into the kingdom. Well, here's Jesus flipping that on them and saying, unless you become like child, you're not going to enter the kingdom. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So I think there's two major things that is on their mind as they think about this, especially, like I said, especially for reading in Mark 9's account. The first thing is, I'm supposed to be humble or else I can't enter the kingdom. And the second thing is, I need to be careful how I treat people, even people that are lowly, because I could cause them damage and then I will be judged based on the damage I caused them. Because if I make it difficult for them, or I make them feel like they're an outcast and they have no place in the kingdom, then the question is, do I have a place in the kingdom? And it seems like the answer is no, I don't. Let's go back to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, beginning in verse 40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. That's a lot of confidence I think he's instilling into the disciples. I'm sending you out. If the people receive you, they're receiving the one that sent you, which is him, which is Jesus himself. But also, if someone receives Jesus, who are they really receiving? Receiving the Father. And if they, understand, if they hear and will accept the message of a prophet, and they, receive that he, and they understand he is a prophet, they will receive a prophet's reward. Whatever the prophet is saying, whatever this message is, if they accept that and receive that and believe in that, then they will have the reward that comes from that message. Verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Lose his reward. First, let me just point out that when he says little ones, he could be talking about children. But at the same time, he does say, because he is a disciple. So I think that there's a chance what he's saying is, the little ones are the disciples themselves, or are, are the maybe even um, potential followers of Jesus, not just little ones as in children. If you give even one of these little ones, a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So there's two different ways of taking that. One is, if you, even, if you give children even a cup of cold water, because you are a disciple, you won't lose your reward. The other way is, if you give one of these other disciples even a cup of cold water, because he's a disciple, then he won't lose his reward. And I don't know the right way of taking it, so I'm going to use both of them. I think one way that we should take this is that every little thing that we do for somebody, no matter how lowly they are, no matter how small they are in the world's sight, matters. Even a little cup of cold water, right? Even if it's a child, even if it's someone that no one else pays any attention to. That matters in the kingdom of God. And... Your reward 
is tied to that. Your reward in the kingdom is tied to how you treat those that even are small and insignificant, even if you don't really think it matters what you're doing. Even a cup of cold water. Jesus doesn't say a cup of cold water on a hot summer day in the middle of Arizona or in the middle of Tampa, Florida. He doesn't say that the context matters or like when someone is really parched, if you give them a cup of cold water, then you're going to be blessed. But I guess we could assume that's true, that the need for the cup of cold water does matter, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a kind thing that not that someone is craving it or they're going to die without it, but just something kind and generous, that that is great according to Jesus and his kingdom, that somehow your reward and your place in the kingdom is tied to how, how willing you are to do small things for small people. So maybe one thing that we should take away from that is we need to give what's needed no matter how small it is. But also don't think that you're doing something insignificant because it's a small thing. It matters in God's kingdom. But also, don't look at other people as being small and insignificant and be willing to do small or great things for them. And don't see yourself as great compared to them so it's you're, like they're unworthy of your service and your gratitude or your graciousness. We all do have a place in the kingdom. We all do have uh, things that are expected of us. And sometimes, um, even when I was growing up, I remember that the great things were who's going to get up and do whatever publicly, right? Jesus doesn't talk about that here. He's already talked about they're going to heal the sick, they're going to cleanse lepers, raise the dead. And that sounds like the fantastic things that is like, oh, sign me up for that. I want training so that I can know how to do those things. Who doesn't know how to give a cup of cold water? <laughs> you don't need training for that. That's something that should be very natural. The problem is our hearts at times gravitate towards how can I be great and do great things in the kingdom? Instead, Jesus, he like changes our perspective to let us understand that the great things aren't what we consider great and the great people aren't who we consider great. It's the small things for small people that matter the most to him. And maybe they don't matter the most, but they do matter. So they need to matter to us. So the second way I want to take this text is if we do this because we are doing this for a disciple, then we help them keep their reward. How many people do you know that they have a reason that they no longer believe or that they no longer are involved in, in church? Maybe they are involved in a specific denomination or they say, I'll never go to a church with this on the sign because my experiences. And some of the things that they say or they felt judged or they heard lessons that they just really didn't, uh, they didn't appreciate. They thought they were just wrong and, and hateful or something like that. But I'll tell you, I think a lot of people that I know that, that feel that way, it's not just because of the truth that was preached from the pulpit as much as it was the, the lack of attention they were given by, by the people that they were supposed to consider brothers and sisters. They were made to feel insignificant and small, and they were overlooked. So they just don't go back. Or they stick around for a while, but then they just can't bring themselves to go to a place where all the attention is on a certain type of person and not on them. We need to know that how we treat each other within the kingdom, within the family of God, matters not only for our sake, but for their sake. 
Like we can help someone stick around and be faithful even by the small things we do. And that sounds silly to me because I think, well, they should be faithful regardless of how I treat them. Well, that's just my way of absolving myself from responsibility. My responsibility is to serve them, is to acknowledge them, is to do whatever small thing, whatever thing I think is just silly even. But maybe that helps them keep their reward because I actually treated them like Jesus wants me to treat them. I don't know exactly which way Jesus means when he says this, because if you look at Mark 9's account versus Matthew 10's account, you can read it either way. But I know I feel an obligation to do something, to look at people and acknowledge them, whether they're like a child or whether in society they're insignificant or in the body of Christ, if there's someone that isn't my best friend or someone I don't really connect with. And I know I feel an obligation to do small things, things that maybe I think are for lesser people. That's a problem of me thinking, well, who's the greatest? Well, let me do great things. That's a problem that, we, that I think James and John and maybe even some of the other disciples fell into. So here are just some takeaways for us. I think I've already mentioned these, but just to make sure that we're on the same page. I think this matters because uh, there are a lot of people that are really down right now for a lot of different reasons. Maybe I think they're silly reasons. Maybe I think that they should get over it and they should just, um, I don't know, I guess one phrase that one of my friends used is people need to man up. That sounds kind of like, I don't know, like I, have, I usually would be like, yeah, people need to man up. But for some reason right now in this time, I, I have an aversion to, to some of that. And I just feel like maybe, maybe the, the response actually isn't to just tell people to man up and get over things, but rather to serve them in small ways, to be kind to them, to listen to them, to correct them if that's needed, but just to listen and just to say, yeah, I love you and I'm sorry. Maybe that's a cup of cold water for them. Um, we're, we're not, we don't go around shaking hands these days or anything like that, but you know what? Maybe I'm wrong on this, but uh, as long as I have hand sanitizer around, maybe somebody just needs a handshake sometimes, you know? Um, or maybe somebody just needs a nod, you know, because that's the best we can do, or an elbow, whatever it is. Just that acknowledgement is something. Maybe somebody needs a visit, even if it means you're going to sit on your car and they can you know, just come to the edge of the driveway and you can just chat for a few minutes. And maybe it took you longer to get there than you'll spend there. <laughs> maybe it took you 30 minutes to get there and you're only spending 10 minutes there. Whatever small, insignificant thing it is, that's something we need to do, um, especially right now. And I hope you understand that I'm, I'm not speaking to just one side of an issue. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak to, to both sides of every issue that you might be thinking of right now. Because I don't care what color someone is. I don't care what their perspective is on an election. I don't care what any of that is. We need to be showing kindness even to the little ones. And it's not just any kindness that I think is appropriate. It's based on what their need is, even a cup of cold water. And if someone doesn't like cold water, then okay, fine. Give them some lukewarm water. If they don't like ice, then no problem. Whatever that need is, as long as it's something I can meet, something that is appropriate, that is actually something that they, they truly do need, whether it's a physical thing or a spiritual thing, that's what we do. We meet that need. So just to wrap up, I just have maybe two questions. Who do you know that could lose their reward because they're being overlooked right now? Well, go serve them. And what are you doing 
no matter how great or small, to make sure that you don't lose your reward? How do you look at people so that you make sure you serve them even with small things? If I was one of the disciples, and when Jesus is saying this in Matthew 10, I would have been all on board right up, right up until verse 16. <laughs> I'd have been like, guys, we're going to, see, you see what he says we're going to go do? We're going to heal. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be healing the sick. We're going to be casting out demons. Then he starts talking about persecutions. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know about that. But, but as long as we get to do these really awesome things, right? Miraculous things, truly. But then he gets to some parts about like, well, you might even die. I don't like the sound of that, but at least I'll be known as a person that was able to do amazing things. Well, you, you might be separated from family, you know, because he comes to bring a sword. Well, I don't like the sound of that, but at least I'll be great. I, my name might be just amazing and great, and people will remember me. And then he gets to this last part, and he's like, no, it's, it's the small things for small people. And I think at that point, I would feel the most challenged, and I'd be like, yeah, but I don't want to do those things. I don't want to acknowledge those people. Well, that's what Jesus wants his, those disciples, and that's what he wants us to do. So I hope these things are, are helpful. I, I don't know exactly how this changes your life moving forward, like what you think about doing tomorrow based on these things we've read. But I hope that at least changes our perspective to think of people a little bit differently and to think about our place in the kingdom differently and to not just find glory in what other people consider great but rather find glory in what the king considers great in his kingdom.